I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. G'day and welcome to The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Tuesday, the 28th of June. I'm Andrew Gagan. Apologies, we are running a bit late, just having a few technical issues in terms of getting hold of one of our experts. Uh, that is Chris Conway from Marcus Today. We're endeavour to get hold of Chris when we can. But also joining me today, Mark Gardner from Macro. Mark, good to see you. Yeah, good afternoon. How are you? We don't have technical issues if you're actually in studio with no, us. That's no, great. But uh, Chris in is in Melbourne, so that can't be helped. Uh, look, we are running short of time, so let's jump in straight to our stock of the day. In fact, just before we get to that, I'll, I'll tell you what we're going to cover in the first half of the show. Uh, we're going to take a look at Helios, uh, Denison Education, uh, Strike Energy, their Bell Financial Group, and Origin Energy. Uh, all right, so to our stock of the day, and that is uh, Collins Food. It, uh, for the 12 months, just come out with details to the, end of, to the beginning of May, in fact, is delivered an 11% increase in revenue in Europe. Uh, it's reported a 41% jump in revenue. Uh, this is obviously covering uh, products, so well, it's uh, businesses such as KFC, and Taco Bell, it's saying that it will continue to grow its store footprint across its brands. It's planning 20 to 29 new restaurants in uh, the financial 23 year. It comes uh, as it predicts mid-term margins to recover and remain on track to deliver its growth ambitions. So it is um, sounding fairly bullish in what it's looking at going forward. So Mark, how are you seeing Collins Food? Obviously, uh, you got to consider its input costs at the moment, which will be rising. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, lettuce. I think they've replaced yeah. with uh, with cabbage at some places. Um, yeah, look, they're, obviously they've gained about twelve percent today. Uh, a few analysts have come out with a um, reaffirming thirteen dollar price target, so I think it's around the ten dollar mark. Mm. Um, look, I think this is a real case of the market's really got ahead of itself in terms of uh, you know all the doomsday um, etc um, I don't think this is going to be the first one of these sorts of updates that's going to you know that's going to start pushing stocks up um, and we're all pricing in particularly I mean you probably classify this as consumer discretionary in a way um, but you know it realistically you know the, we had Nike have an update overnight they also had um, their European sales was basically what salvaged there mm. um, they beat expectations um, and the stock was sold off because we're still obviously a little bit negative and that consumer discretionary sector hasn't particularly been popular but um, it just goes to show that you know we what we're pricing in is a is very predictive very you know very forward-looking and it may you know may not happen or it may happen far shallower than what um, you know, what analysts are predicting. Um, so there will be these high quality companies like Colin Foods Group that um, that realistically, if they're controlling their costs, um, I, I, I'm really impressed with the fact that they've, um, the mid, you know, um, 
mid-term outlook uh, yep. basically is under control and may actually pull back because I was a little bit worried about with this one with inflation um, because obviously food cost you know, is, main, is their main input costs. Um, I think they had chicken shortages at some stage mm. in in, uh, in the UK. So. Yeah, look, it's got a pretty. They've up their dividend as well. Um, that was higher than esti- you know, higher than estimated. So um, the revenue and margin growth was kind of in line or above expectation. But but yeah, overall, um, I think you'll. I mean, what people are going to remember is the last six months has been pretty good. We've only really been, abs- you know, going to this absolute doomsday scenario. Um, you know, with rising inflation and, and a recession. You know, hiking rates and a deep uh, recession. I really on the back of pretty much two to three months data. Um, yeah, you, you take a look at its share price, and it, it, it began to t- a lot of, along with a lot of other along with all companies market, yeah. <laughs> tracking on the ASX. Uh, it's come off twenty five percent. So as you said, we've seen that uh, jump today. Um, based on that, what would you do with the stock? Look, I'm I'm probably just holding for now, um, just for the just for the broader market risk. I think. Um, it's very difficult at the moment because you can. The fundamentals are kind of hurting you because you, if you the dig, the deeper you dig into the fundamentals um, and not take into account the sentiment of the market of the broader market, the more trouble you can get into realistically. So I think um, I think do think this will be a bit of a pattern that um, will you know will be uh, fairly prevalent over reporting season where we'll see basically things aren't as bad as everyone's cooked them up in their heads to be. Yeah. Um, and look, we may get a recession. We may get uh, the, you know, that inflation um, thematic continue to go higher, but we may not either. So, and it really wasn't affecting these company results, um, you know, six months ago, which is what we're you know, over the last six months. So, maybe the you know the very latter half. Um, so, I think you'll probably see uh, reporting season help stabilise the market both here and in the US. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see in those sort of situations whether you cut your fast food consumption as a result. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, All right, so that is Collins Food. Uh, you've got a hold on it then. Well, let's uh, get into the stocks uh, as picked by you. And our first one is uh, Helios. Uh, Isaac, wanting to know about this. Uh, it is uh, facing difficult market conditions in uh, the second half of the financial year. It's uh, simplified to an extent. Uh, it's a diagnostics operator. It's um, completion of its sale of the Dora Fertility sale, in fact, just recently. Uh, looking ahead, management saying that it's advised it remains focused on growing its core pathology and imaging businesses. So, Mark, what are your thoughts then on Helios? Uh, um, traditionally, I guess you look at healthcare as somewhat uh, defensive, but it's not a pure no, it's stock. not. Look, and this the accounts are going to be really messy for this one. It's the old primary healthcare for those of you who have been following it for a long time. Um, they did downgrade, and the um, Medicare numbers have been showing a fall in pathology, um, which was obviously these guys benefited greatly from the um, from all the COVID testing. Um, they did. They do have a part of the businesses, obviously, in their day surgeries, etc., which have been suffering through this period. Um, I would expect this thing to sort of one side of the business to start picking up whereas obviously one of the, the pathology side there is talks that they may um you know they may uh, split those businesses um and just and focus on the pathology um but look it's one of these ones that at the moment if you are worried about um, you know um, a looming recession um 
it's it is very difficult to find yourself like find yield in that healthcare sector. Um, this is sort of batted it down. The forward PE really now is looking at a, you know almost in single digits. It's got a dividend yield around four and a half to five percent. So um, mm. yeah, look, it um, it's one of those ones that. I guess if it, the chart looks, the chart does not look great. Um, I don't think you need to rush out and buy it. There's probably some other better um, healthcare companies out there, but the likes of CSL, etc. You know, they yield one percent. So, or even Fisher and Paykel are down at these horrible levels, and yeah. is only two percent. So, if you if you're kind of hunting around for something that's going to at least give you some dividend income as well, something like this or Monash IVFs um, at these prices is has had really great updates and is probably going to have some post-COVID tailwinds come through in the next bit of, in the next, um, sort of the next accounts because they're, uh, they're still having a, a little bit of reluctant, um, cancelled appointments basically because you can't go through that IVF. Yep. Um, and they've made some really smart acquisitions through there. So we're, we can, yeah, this would be the sort of thing that, you know, if you're hunting around for a, a little bit of yield because, the, the, you know, if you think their recession's coming and the, and the cyclicals are obviously going to be starting to downgrade their, you know, their dividends if we do get a turn in the economy. Mm-hmm. This is a place where you can, you can get some yield. Um, I don't know. It's still a hold for me at this stage. I probably prefer maybe Sonic Healthcare, Monash IVF. Um, yep. Probably, I think CSL's probably got, you know, six to, tw- you know, the next two updates uh, with that massive Vifor um, acquisition until that probably starts to play through on the accounts, um, okay. given the delays. So. Yep. All right. So you've got to hold on. Look, I do believe that Chris Conway can now hear us. Chris, uh, g'day. Apologies for uh, the delay there, but thanks for joining us. Might just want to play a quick catch-up game here because we began with our stock of the day, Collins Food. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, great update today. I'm sure Mark covered it in uh, adequate detail. I think the highlight was the, uh, the recovery in Europe. Uh, that was really the headline that stood out to me. And one of the impressive takeaways that I took out of it as well was that they managed to deliver positive same source, same store sorry, sales growth uh, despite cycling what were pretty unprecedented numbers uh, in the prior year, of course, during the pandemic. Uh, and just picking up, I think I came in on the end of the conversation when Mark was talking about, or maybe you, Andrew, were talking about, obviously uh, with interest rates going higher and inflation where it is, it will have an impact on mm. uh, consumer discretionary spending, but it's these cheaper brands that tend to hold up better because people scale down to these brands, you know, people that might have otherwise gone to a more expensive restaurant or had a more expensive uh, food option will will gravitate into these areas. So the drop doesn't tend to be quite as big. So uh, I like the update. Let's not forget that it's in a screaming downtrend, though. Uh, It was uh, in last year, it was up above above $14. uh, And even with the 10% odd move today, it's, um, you know, still sub 10. So um, a good update, but I, again, I don't know whether I'd go out and, and rush to buy this one just at the moment just because of those consumer discretionary headwinds. Okay, all right. So what, take it as a hold? Yep, a hold, yep. All right, okay. And just quickly, um, Helios, thoughts there? Yeah, Helios, I'm a little bit more bullish. Uh, and again, just leveraging what Mark was saying about that flight to quality that's happening in the market at the moment. And, and Mark mentioned some of the names that I'm looking at as well in terms of CSL, Cochlear, Sonic Healthcare. Uh, and Helios is indeed one of them. I think they're... They've struggled, like Mark has said. Uh, the the uh, COVID testing has dropped off a cliff. Uh, their pathology business hasn't recovered as well as many would like, uh, nor has their diagnostic imaging business. A lot of the problem, though, is due to staff shortages. You know, they just cannot get the staff. There's been a lot of absentee- absenteeism um, and that they haven't been able to perform these services. And there's some patient behaviour there as well. So mm. that will all 
abate in time. And I think you're being provided a pretty good opportunity to buy a stock that's a, a, still a quality stock at a, at a reasonable price at the moment. Uh, again, just talking about the charts like Mark did, I'd want to see a little bit more positive momentum in this one. So if it was to trade up through $4, then I'd probably be more inclined to have a crack at it. Okay. All right. So you're going to watch for that then. All right. Let's move on to our second stock. This is Janison Education. Troy wanted to know about this. It is online education's technology-based uh, education platforms for uh, students and professionals. Uh, does sort of a, has a, some sort of a global footprint at this stage. The business comprises two primary segments, assessment and learning. Mark, Janison. Uh, look, I'm, I'm probably, this is a bit of a watch list for me at the moment, just for the overarching um, you know, market behaviour. Um, but look, this, this business has been going pretty well. I think they're doing a lot of online exams, etc. Um, you know, their revenue was up the last update. They've got some decent organic growth. Um, their costs were a little bit higher. Um, and look, you know, you, at the moment, growth stocks are not exactly the place we want to necessarily be playing. Um, look, if I held it, you probably you're probably stuck with it for now. It's back at sort of you know prices back you know uh, over eighteen months ago, sort of yep. thing. So um, if you're holding it, I think it's got a fairly decent long-term outlook. Um, but it's it's likely going to be one that you know certainly wouldn't be buying it now. Um, I think you'd probably wait. I mean, it's one that you, you start to look at when we start to see growth stocks come back into vogue. I mean, yep. particularly for a tech company, we're going to have um, you know, there's there's really, there's really good quality companies out there, like Zero, for instance, that are great tech companies that are that are looking pretty cheap at the moment. I think you're probably best playing in that that bigger end of town first. Um, if you're really stuck on buying some tech, and then and then maybe look at this. This will probably be a laggard. Okay. All right, uh, Chris. Yeah, take a look at those chart. I mean, that that chart looks pretty familiar actually, because we've yeah. seen so many companies that have just completely fallen off since the beginning of the year. Yeah, for the sake of expediency, I can move through this one pretty quickly and I'll yep. echo what Mark was just saying. The market does not have a lot of patience for stocks and companies at the moment that aren't making money. And uh, unfortunately, as good as the story is around Janison, and it is a pretty good story, you know, they've got uh, growing uh, recurring revenues, their margin, gross margin was up about 66%. Um, their revenues growing, they're pushing into different markets in the US in particular as well but they're just not making any money. So uh, the market is punishing those sorts of stocks. Uh, and as Mark rightly points out, there's plenty of growth stocks further up the chain that people will probably be more likely inclined to buy as opposed to something like uh, Janison. So I don't particularly dislike it. I quite like the story, but uh, I just can't see a way forward. Okay, so that is a... That will be a sell. All right, okay. All right, let's uh, move along as we try and pick up the pace. Uh, strike, Dale, I want you to know about this. Uh, uh, he's saying, I think one of the team had it as a life-changing stock uh, strike. It's in a joint venture with uh, Warrigo. That's West Erigala Gas Discovery in WA. Uh, just secured a $20 million debt facility with Macquarie to cover costs across its Perth Basin gas projects. Of course, Chris, we know where the price of gas has been going. I might be a little bit confused here, Andrew. I was thinking this was Strike Resources, SRK. Oh, you're right. Yep, the, my uh, mistake. Have, yep. You guys have the iron ore uh, Sorry. opportunity over Sorry, I've totally, totally thrown you there. Carry on then. Okay, very good. Yeah, so um, just in terms of what uh, Dale was saying, the guy who uh, submitted the question uh, and talking about being a life-changing stock, 
I read as much as I could on this one, Dale, and to tell them that I had, and I couldn't quite find the life-changing part. So they do have an operation over there in Western Australia. It's the Paulson's East Project. It's got a reserve uh, at the moment of about 6.2 million tonnes, and they want to mine, uh, get up to mining 1.5 million tonnes a year for uh, four years. Not to say there's not more resources there, but I couldn't find any evidence of that. Uh, and they're due to actually send their sh first shipments out, uh, I think it's next month now. It was supposed to be this month, now next month, starting at about 55,000 tonnes in the month. By comparison, BHP is 330 million tonnes a year. So obviously it's very small. They do have a bigger opportunity over in Peru. Uh, they're talking there about a 15 to 20 million tonne uh, potential resource, but they're still working with the consultants to figure out exactly the size of the resource and what all that will look like. And then the other moving part is that they own, uh, I think it's 43% of lithium energy, and that was a, uh, a spin-out they did in IPO and raised about $9 million. So I would look at this company as a portfolio of bets. They've got one in that Paulson's project that's obviously coming online and will generate some revenue. And then they've got some more speculative potential bets, if you will, with their uh, iron ore mine over in Peru and that lithium project. So, uh, like I said, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all or, or, or suggest that the question isn't a good one, but I just couldn't see that the life-changing element uh, unless they figure out that they do have that 20 million tonnes over in Peru and they can get that operation off the ground. So, um, uh, in terms of whether or not I would buy it, uh, no, probably not at this stage, and that's just because I don't invest in uh, assets that are at this stage of their cycle or companies that are at this stage of the cycle. Yep, all right. Uh, apologies for throwing you off uh, balance there. Um, so, Mark, yeah, I mean, look, it's not just iron ore, it's also magnetite um, as well. So how do you look at it? Yeah, um, look, I'd be, I would probably sell this and, and buy something like uh, Grange Resources. Mm. Um, with all the talk of looming recession again, um, I don't think you want things at early stage. Uh, I think there's too much risk. Peru as well, big history of um, you know industrial disputes. I think there's some stuff going on over there at the moment. There has been strikes, etc. We're not really, as far as like lithium um, goes, we're really not looking at explorers uh, just just as a blanket rule, um, because that you know taking advantage of that elevated price is really only probably going to last a few years. Um, so by the time they get back, by the time they get these things into production, I mean we could see, you know, if there is an economic downturn, um, we could see prices in both of those commodities, you know, uh, come down. Whereas you've got at the moment something like Range Resources, which I think has pulled back from 180 to 130. It's got the, um, it's got the far higher quality uh, iron ore pellets um, in Tasmania, so you've got no, you know, no risks in terms of um, being in a country that you're not, you know, you, you're unsure about the industrial relations, mm. um, and it and it yields enormously. So uh, and it's up and running. Um, so. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's not one that it's not one that I consider right now. Um, okay. But yeah, the viewers should maybe have a look at Grange. All right, fair enough. Let's move on to Bell Financial Group. Brad wanted to know about this, saying I've been holding on during this downturn. So I guess the question is, what you should do because the share price has halved since the beginning of the year, Mark. Yeah, I've I've sort of been a little bit confused by this one as well. Um, it's a really thinly traded stock. Um, there's been fairly consistent selling for because I've watched it relatively closely most days um, for you know for most of the year basically. Um, they you know they they're pretty well diversified business. They've been around a long time. Um, confusingly, there was we just had an update recently where uh, you know the, which we saw the share price drop um, 15 percent on the day. 
um, where they've uh, reduced their outlook by 45%. Uh, but there was directer buying, you know, no, like less than a week before that. So, you know, they maybe need to improve their communica- well, communication lines there. But, um, but they're, they're still saying that all their units um, are profitable. Uh, I would have thought with a lot of transaction movement uh, in, in portfolios with the current... The current, you know, the last year we've had, you know, best financial year in history, last financial year, and then we've had, you know, the worst start uh, to a year in uh, calendar year in 90 years that they would, their transaction volume would surely be up. Um, but they still, you know, dividends, um, obviously, you know, looking forward, it's probably going to be obviously about half. So it's still going to be yielding maybe around the 6% mark. It's got a low PE. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I'm... I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call it a buy, but it's definitely, it's definitely getting pretty close. I think it's, you know, like I said, it's been one of the great survivors um, yep. in in the space, and um, I think, you know, I think the damage has already been done. So I'd, oh, maybe a nibble. A nibble. Okay. All right, Chris. Uh, full disclosure: I know some of the guys over at Bells, uh, the team over there. So uh, uh, they're great people, and they uh, do, I think, a very good job. Uh, we can't escape the fact that their update, as Mark was talking about, was um, was disappointing. You know, 45% uh, reduction in earnings, and then uh, you know they had uh, a 50% uh, reduction in uh, corporate fee income because there's some transactions that have been delayed. The share price um, has been hammered since the start of the year. Uh, it was north of a dollar eighty. It's now around eighty cents. Uh, I would just I would just lift the eyes a little bit and, and look at what's going on in this space more broadly. We've seen similar things with self wealth. You know that was an 80 cent, I think, share price down to 20 or 15 as it is now. Uh, Hub 24 net wealth, and then we've seen what's happened with Robinhood in the US. So, you know, these companies are cycling very strong volumes that were seen through the pandemic, and now, you know, we're here. Here we are in the next period, and the numbers are looking particularly bad. Tend to agree with Mark a little, th- a little bit. I think the share price has been savaged too much, um, but I couldn't be a buyer of this one now. I'd really need to see. It catch uh, a bottom somewhere, and then probably have some positive momentum just in terms of the share price and the outlook. Uh, and then once I saw those things, I'd be more inclined to be a buyer. So, okay. at best for me right now to be a hold. Okay, all right, Chris. Now let me ask you about an energy company, Origin. And Kerry Ann wanted to know about this. Uh, does have its uh, coal supply challenges. It's impacted its power station. Expected earnings for this uh, for the financial year from its. Uh, Energy markets business has dropped significantly. Has expected to be offset though by higher earnings from its integrated gas segment. Uh, essentially, bend its energy markets financial year guidance for 2023. So uh, it has its challenges. Chris, how are you seeing Origin? I think you've just done most of the work for me, Andrew. To be perfectly honest, that was a, br- a beautiful summary. Um, I would say uh, it's a tale of two cities. So. As you rightly point out, LNG is continued uh, has, is expected to continue to do well, uh, and there's been some analysts recently lifting forecasts for East Coast gas contract prices. Of course, with the high demand and the relatively few uh, sources of new supply or material supply that will move the needle, uh, so that's expected to remain strong. The other side of the coin, or the other city, of course, coal is expected to be a headwind, just because there is not enough black coal around at the moment, and the prices that uh, Origin are going to have to pay to to uh, to generate electricity through the roof, and hence why they ditched that guidance, like you said. So, I, I still like energy. You and I have talked a lot about energy at, in various times, particularly when I do my buy hold sells on Friday morning. Mm. Um, 
I think this is one of the ones that you probably want to avoid. Though I think there's still some risk of further downside uh, for FY22 guidance, um, and there is now more and more uncertainty in energy markets. So, what you don't want is uncertainty in a market. Uh, which has rolled over sharply, and then yeah. uncertainty in the companies that you're looking at. So it's um, it's two strikes and you're out for me okay. on this one. That's an avoid, Mark. Yeah, look, I think you've both done a great summary of the company, really. Um, I, I think it'll be fine long-term, um, but I probably just want to wait to see, you know, a, a couple more updates overall. Um, but look, good debt-to-equity ratio. It's an okay dividend. The gas, you know, gas prices, even though they've fallen away... Um, Quite considerably in the last month. Um, look, I, I, I think you know it's not a bad long-term play, but I think you want probably want to you know you don't really this isn't the sort of market to be buying things in a downgrade cycle. Um, so I'd wait for you know, I'd wait for further updates. Yeah, so we'll call that an avoid at this yeah, point too. Just an avoid at this point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, well, we had to rush through that given we started late. But let's uh, summarise where we've been for the first five stocks. We began with our stock of the day. It's Collins Food, which. Uh, it has impressed the market with its latest update. Uh, Mark's got a hold on it, as does uh, Chris. Our first stock, as picked by you, was uh, Helios and the healthcare segment there. Uh, Mark has a hold on it. Though he probably prefers Sonic or even Monash IVF. Uh, Chris saying quality stock. Uh, he's watching it at this point. Janison uh, Education, a hold, perhaps a watch there from Mark. Uh, Chris has a sell on it. Uh, strike. That's resources, not to be confused, as I was, with Strike Energy out of WA at the same time. Uh, a no from Chris, a sell from Mark. Bell Financial Group, uh, watch maybe a nibble there from Mark. Chris, uh, no worry, hold it essentially at these levels. And Origin, an avoid from both. All right, let's just catch up with uh, the portfolio that we're uh, tracking as picked by our investment committee. The latest episode is live here to watch at ausbiz.com. Let's check in. With the update there, West Farmers, Elders and ResMed, they were added this month, shifting the original allocations. So keep sending in your requests, keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Uh, just a clarification too, before we move to our next five, last Wednesday, uh, during a discussion about Poseidon Nickel, one of our expert guests inadvertently suggested it was sourcing nickel directly from Russia. The intent of the comment was to note the amount of nickel Australia sources from Russia and the perceived risk that brings to the broader sector. Poseidon only operates in Western Australia and has no relationship with Russia. We acknowledge these comments may have caused confusion. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's move on to our second uh, five for the hour. Adore Beauty, Med Advisor, Beach Energy, NIB Holdings and ASX. To Adore, Penny wanting to know about this one. It is the online cosmetics retailer, beauty, skincare, uh, has been unable to maintain a meaningful margin in the past 12 months. You'll take a look at the chart. It looks pretty ugly. Um, Mark, it's discretionary, isn't it, really? So it's been Yeah, and, and, and very, very discretionary. Um, yeah, look, this obviously was a you know, 
12 months ago, how things change. Um, it was a bit of a market darling at one stage. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the analysts have they've got a they've still got a um, you know buy. Some of them are going to still got a buy rating on this thing. You know, looking at you know. Uh, it clawing back at least sort of a dollar, but look, I think that's probably just lagging a little bit. Um, I think, you know, the supply chain's a problem for this thing. Inflation's an issue. Um, the China lockdowns as well. Um, look, it's, uh, you know, the cost of customer acquisition uh, in their last update was, uh, was high as well. Um, so at the moment with such, you know, you've got, you've got your, the likes of your West Farmers, JB Hi-Fi's and things, Nick Scarley's, for instance, which are you know businesses with fantastic track records um, mm. that, that yield really nicely, that are um, you know that are that are pretty damn, darn cheap levels. Um, yeah, I, so why I, go there then? That's why, why I just wouldn't I wouldn't consider this at the moment. Um, this is yeah definitely the wrong sort of market, and uh, there is a lot of you know much much better more you know more solid performers in the sector um, to have a look at for now, but. It's, it's, um, once they get things under control, it's not to say they can't come back, but it, not probably not in the next 12 months. Fair enough. Chris? I'll start with the positives. So their March quarter numbers actually show that they were still growing, but at a much slower clip, and they had a 47% increase in returning customers. So their customers are pretty sticky, and it's expected that it was, as we move out in time, obviously further away from the pandemic and the, the boost that that provided, the numbers will get easier to cycle. Now the bad. Uh, it's uh, just too early, and Mark spoke to it to turn positive on the online retail sector. I believe you know consumer discretionary is a tough place to play and is going to be remaining forward. Mark mentioned supply chains again. Agree that they remain particularly challenging, uh, and it was only recently that we saw a broker cut their revenue estimates by around 20% for the next two financial years. Um, so uh, I think the bad outweighs the good at the moment. Just noting the share price has caught a bit around a dollar, big round number, and it's turned a little bit higher. Um, but I would need to get again. I would need to see a lot more positive momentum, and I'd probably need to see the thoughts, feelings, and opinions about the consumer discretionary space change pretty dramatically before I'd go after a name like this. So um, it, it would still be a sell for me at the moment. Okay. All right. Moving on. To Med Advisor, uh, Alexander wanting to know about this saying, uh, it's uh, featured on the call. Um, it is uh, just, in fact, uh, got a new CEO who's US based. Uh, he's also the managing director. Uh, that's pretty much in line with the company's growth trajectory. It's expanding its operations. They're seizing those growth opportunities in the States. So, uh, Chris, how do you look at this one? Yeah, I'd, n I'd never come across this one before, and uh, in doing the research for today's session, I found it to be a really interesting company. Technology that helps people stick to their medications, reorders prescriptions for them, lets them know when uh, supply is running down and, uh, and orders it from the, uh, from the pharmacies and whatnot. They have the relationship with Australian pharmaceutical industries here in Australia. Uh, and as you say, Andrew, pushing into the US with Walmart and the line that I took out of their pre presentation on the Walmart deal was that they are all in on all channels. So clearly they're uh, pushing as hard as they can to try and make sure that this Walmart deal and of course with Walmart's presence in the United States and the number of stores that they have, if they can do this well, potentially it will create significant upside. The financials look pretty good in terms of their growth uh, operating revenue to the end of the third quarter was up 96%, Australian revenue up 70%, their annual recurring revenue up 24%. This, however, is still another one of those companies that 
is pouring all their money back into growth. They're not making money at the moment. So it's one of those companies that has no earnings or no profits, but a great story. And again, I just don't think this is the right environment for those types of companies, just in terms of where we are in the in the in the in the, um, the economic cycle. So I do quite like this one. It's one that I'll probably follow very closely because I do like the story, and they have that great opportunity in the U.S. Um, but again, with where we are in the cycle and the way the share price is behaving at the moment, you know, it's been 40 cents in February. It's now 14 and a half cents. I can't be a buyer of this one. But uh, if it turns and starts to gain some momentum, then it's definitely a story they'll come back and revisit. Okay, so you're watching it. Would you hold it if mm-hmm. you have it? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I if I was into this one and I and I committed to the story, then yeah, I yep. continue to hold it. Fair enough, Mark. Yeah, look, I'd completely echo Chris's comments there. Basically, um, this would be you know, it's just not the right environment for this um, at the moment. But they're uh, they're certainly doing all the right things. Um, I think that you know, having a, a US CEO. Um, they're going to know the market a little bit better. Uh, you know, plenty of Australian companies have sent Australian CEOs over there and haven't known the market well enough, and it, it's caused a, you know uh, um, it caused the company to, to fail in that expansion. So um, it was a decent acquisition. Uh, they've got an ex-Zero director um, on the board as well, so um, you know you've got some decent experience there in terms of um, the sort of strategic um, planning. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, this is definitely a watch list. Um, sort of, I, I don't think if you miss, I think if this business starts to go really well, if you miss, you know, ten cents, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a big deal in the long term. But, um, but at the moment, I just don't. I think you can just afford to wait. So yeah, it's just a watch list for me. Um, and yeah, and and something I definitely will, you know, start to consider once we once you know we shift out of a bear market. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, it pays to be patient at the moment, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's head back to the energy space. Beach Energy. Caleb wanted to know about this one. Uh, it's financial year 22 guidance is on track as far as its production is concerned. It is in the oil and gas space. Uh, recently appointed a new chief executive, um, Mark. And the uh, you take a look at the share price, that chart, it looks... Uh, pretty impressive it's going in the right direction but then you'd expect it to be given where it's what it's well, in it. yeah i mean we've been playing this oil space uh firstly by using the triple o etf um first um and then we've we've sort of gradually as the as the oil price has been topping out we've been gradually swipping uh, switching to woodside um i think uh that that's our preferred name in the space um and yeah they've had a bit of a, you know, they've had a bit of a checkered history at times um, with their updates. And hopefully, the new CEO sort of sorts that out. Um, it's, it seems to be one of the least correlated. We've found our analysts have found um, to the spot oil price, um, which is, of course, say compared to their peers. But um, you would expect uh, you would expect these guys to, you know, come reporting season with the oil price basically averaging over a hundred bucks for the last six months. You know, been pretty good. So. Forward PEs in single digits. Um, yeah, look, I I would prefer Woodside, but I think um, you know, with the underlying thematic at the moment, it's, I'd be happy to buy uh, buy Beach. But yeah, I think Woodside's probably going to get you a better yield. And I think you know BHP being a major shareholder, they're going to you know, they've got some of the best management around. I think they're going to that'll influence um, decisions for the board there. So yeah, Woodside my preference, but mm. you know uh, you know this, this is not too bad. Yeah, Chris. So Mark's saying there is essentially it's underperformed uh, compared with its peers. How, so how do you look at it? 
Yeah, so just the same sort of story as Mark, just ranking the, the big oilers. Uh, Woodside would be the preference, Santos next, and then Beach. And Beach tends to uh, be a little bit more volatile in my experience. Um, just at a company level, they are investing significant, significant monies uh, to try and lift production, to try and buy new assets and lift production. And they're targeting 28 million barrels uh, with their investment program. And analysts up and down the street generally believe they can achieve that. So um, the bigger question, I think, is how we feel about energy at the moment. Like Mark, and again, uh, as I've talked to you about, Andrew, we've been uh, up to our elbows in uh, energy uh, and uh, we've been selling it as it has come off like everyone else has, you know, to become a bit of a crowded trade there. For a period, um, where oil goes from here, where energy goes from here, I, I think it's a 50-50 proposition. I think it could go either way. Supply is restricted, as we know, because of the war in Ukraine. That could change very quickly, though. Uh, and undoubtedly, demand is expected to pull back as GDP around the world uh, rolls over as central banks hike interest rates. You know, they are trying to slow down the economy. That will slow down oil demand. So uh, I think we're uh, you know, at a bit of an inflection point at the moment. Uh, like I said, it could go either way. And if I was going to be a buyer, if, again, if the situation dictates that I'll be a buyer again, it'd probably be Woodside and Santos first and then Beach. Um, so that's where it sits in the pecking order. So, um, yeah, uh, where, where, where that sits now, probably, again, no more than a hold, yeah. Okay, alrighty. Okay, moving on to an insurer, NIB Holdings. Damien Wannington about this one. It is the health insurer. Uh, has noted that it's, gonna, it's postponing its increase of health insurance premiums for its uh, Aussie members until November. Um, and it's made that promise that policyholders will see benefits return to them, um, with some analysts seeing that as a long-term risk to profits. Uh, Chris, you, you look across uh, insurance at the moment, those premiums are going through the roof. So how's uh, NIB placed in the, uh, as far as the healthcare fund is concerned? Yeah, well, I'd say, uh, Andrew, as well, they should give back some money because uh, they've collected the premiums and uh, they haven't been able to, not by their own fault, um, but been able to li deliver services. There's been a lot of underutilisation because of uh, uh, because of COVID, of course. So nice to see that they're actually doing the right thing, giving some of that money back. Um, policy take-up is actually quite strong. Uh, and they came out recently at the Macquarie Conference, and this is not just for NIB, this is across the sector, but these guys came out recently, said that they uh, expect growth to be about, or they'd previously said, sorry, um, about 3%, and they upgraded that to at least 3%. So obviously some expectation that it will be on that. And then they introduced Maiden FY23 guidance of 3 to 4%. That was in Australia. In New Zealand, guidance went up from 3 to 5% to 4 to 6%. So uh, clearly they are experiencing growth. There's more people taking up health insurance. It's a good thing to see generally. Uh, and that should bode well as they come into reporting season. The only thing I would say about this one is I think uh, the, the, the dynamics are good, but I think it appears fully valued. I don't think there's a lot more upside in this one. I don't think it'll be a relative outperformer uh, against uh, you know the ASX over the next 12 months. So I, I quite like it. I quite like the dynamics, um, but I just don't see a lot of upside from here because, as I say, I think it's fully valued. So, but are you holding it? Well, I think, I think it, yeah, I think you'd still hold it. If you hold it now, you, you continue to hold it, you collect the dividend, um, but I just don't know that you'd expect a lot of upside from here. All right. Mark, do you agree? Yeah, I, I think it is pretty close to fully valued. Um, where I, I mean, I'd be, I'm very happy to hold it for now. Um, I, I definitely couldn't buy it up here. Uh, 
Look, they, they do have a travel insurance side of the business as well that might start to, you know, add add some, um, you know, add some revenue. Obviously, that's been uh, taken away from them over the last couple of years. Um, and the, yeah, the, that recent update, um, you know, they've had pretty strong customer growth. I think they're, you know, similar to the big four banks, keeping their variable rates down. The big guys trying to, you know, trying to grab for customers. Um, you know, given they've got an opportunity, basically, there as Chris as Chris said that they're not really. Um, haven't really had to pay out a hell of a lot recent, you know, in in the last couple of years, and um, probably gives them a gives them a chance to, to get some goodwill and maybe and maybe you know bring some new customers over. Um, I think most of the uh, most of those healthcare companies at the moment are waiving, you know, the you know, letting you letting you use last year's and then this for um, into this year. Uh, it's not a cut off on the end of financial year, and you're getting eight weeks free and no waiting periods. So. Yeah, in fact, my insurer said the same thing to me, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, we've yeah. obviously had a, the same discussion recently. <laughs> so. But, yeah, it, but it is, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see too much downside risk on it. It's just, it I think it's going to be just fairly stable. So if, if you like it, you've got it, and you want to hold, hold it, it's, you know, it's got an okay dividend yield. Um, the, it's, not, it's not outrageously expensive. So, but yeah, the best I could say is a hold for now. Yep, okay. That is nib. Let's uh, round it out with the ASX itself. Uh, Indy wanted to know about this. Um, I was just taking a look, in fact, at uh, one of the brokers, Macquarie, pointing to its distributed ledger technologies. It's feeling any additional revenue opportunities are limited and uh, the build is more about maintaining existing revenues. Uh, it's uh, also saying that it's, uh, well, it's encouraged by strong pricing power and diversification, which should be defensive in the current volatile market, although all brokers seeing limited upside from here. So, Mark, how do you see it? Yeah, look, I'd say this is a sell for me. Um, I think it's, you know, it's priced in, it's got a you know, premium there because it's a monopoly, but um, SIBO taking over Chi-X, um, I think that's, you know, that's legitimate competition now in the Australian space. Uh, as per, you know, the ASX history, they've, uh, they've dragged their feet on projects, there's been delays. Um, you know, and look, there, there may be some return. I think that future side um, that has had a huge revenue drop um, and very thin markets for the last sort of year and a bit. I think this is starting to see some volume coming back there. Talking to my friends who are still trading in that uh, in that market, but look, it's yeah. I think with legitimate competition now coming to Australia, and you know the. They've been criticised by regulators, etc. Um, you know, the registry project not going well. It's just you know, it's just more of the same. I just don't think I, I think there's much better opportunities out there at the moment um, that you can put your money into that are that are relatively just as safe um, and that are going to get you some growth in the long term. If you look at the chart; it's just been sideways for quite a while. We've I've range traded this um, quite a bit in the past, um, and you know that's pretty much all we've put it down to is just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll trade the range in this thing. It's, it's, had, a, it's had about a 19-odd percent of, uh, range over the last sort of year and a half. And mm. you've been able to trade both ends of the range a couple of times. So that's been, you know, you can do that if you want to do that. But, the um, yeah, for me, it's, I, uh, yeah, from an investment standpoint, it yep. doesn't really excite me at all. All right, you're seeing opportunity elsewhere, so you've got to sell on it. Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm slightly more bullish, only slightly. Uh, we here at Marcus Day have been talking a lot recently about 
businesses that are near monopolies or monopolies and have pricing power. And that was, uh, I think, Andrew Watt, the Macquarie note that you were just uh, reading at the top, were talking about as well. So it's not quite a monopoly, as uh, Mark rightly points out. It does have um, CBOE, uh, formerly Chiax, now as a competitor, although it's it's pretty close. It has about 80% market share of publicly traded Australian financial products. So obviously the lion's share. And at both an institutional and a retail level, if you want to play, you've got to pay. You know, uh, I would never accuse the ASX of price gouging, but if you want to be involved, you need to pay the price. Um, and you need to only look at the price charge for uh, live data feeds for ASX as opposed to some of the feeds in US markets. And and we are paying uh, we are paying a decent amount for anyone who wants uh, that live data feed. Um, the share price has come back pretty sharply. It was sort of 95 back into 70. It's bounced up to 82. And the question now, I think, is, you know, does it offer value? And there's two schools of thought. Perhaps Mark is more in the, the initial school of thought that, you know, volumes will continue to erode and the share price potentially will drift lower. Um, the other school of thought is that the current volatility will, will ensure that volumes remain healthy, shall we say. Um, you know, people will need to sell when they're fearful and they'll be, always be bargain hunters. Uh, the real risk is if uh, people leave the market altogether. Um, the other thing that I would admit that is a negative is um, obviously M&A activity and corporate activity has really dried up after what was a very, very lucrative period for the ASX. So that would be a headwind, no two ways about it. Um, but I think that monopoly position or near monopoly position that they have and that strong pricing power means that they're probably better placed to whether um, whatever the coming 12 months looks like better than um, some other companies. Um, I couldn't be a buyer. Again, I'm not that bullish. Uh, but this would be a hold for me based on uh, based on what I've just been talking about. All right. Okay. We got there. Uh, well done. We uh, whipped through that. Uh, <laughs> let's summarise the second half of the show. Uh, adore beauty there. A no or an avoid there from Mark. Look, it's discretionary. He's facing a lot of headwinds at the moment. Um, Chris has slapped a sell on it. Uh, Med advisor there. Both. It's a sort of a watch and wait from both essentially. Uh, it's uh, got some very ambitious growth plans for the states. Beach Energy, um, Mark has a buy on it, though he does prefer Woodside, and uh, Chris, he's got a hold on it, once again prefers Woodside and Santos, and then perhaps uh, Beach. Uh, Nib, or NIB, uh, holdings there in uh, healthcare, uh, Chris has a hold, as does Mark, saying it's pretty much fully valued at this point. And just finally there, ASX, uh, Mark pointing to the fact that uh, now got an increasing competition from SIBO. He's got a sell on it. Chris, slightly more positive on it. He's got a hold on it, seeing what's well, still pretty much close to a monopoly in that space. All right, that is the show for today. Mark, thanks for joining us from Macro. You've done well because you came in on very short notice. <laughs> That's a <comment. laughs> And Chris, as always, thanks to you joining us from Marcus today. Thanks, gents. That was emotional. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet us at TV, and you can find those stocks we have in the calls portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Thanks for watching. When you 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.